This week, on the eve of the 2019 season, Formula One and the FIA lost a huge part of its family. Charlie Whiting sadly passed away on the 14th of March in Melbourne. He was an amazing character within the sport and a catalyst in the safety and regulations being what they are today. He will be deeply missed by everyone in the Formula One community. Our thoughts here go out to his family and friends at this difficult time. Thank, Thank you, you, Charlie. There's something loose between my legs, apart from the office. Boundary, it's James. I'm hanging here like a cow. Radio check. Loud and clear. Good day and welcome to a Bonzer edition of Back of the Grid. Uh, I am Tom King and I am here with Stu Greenwood. Good day, you big galah. Way galah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Australian Grand Prix stuff. If you didn't guess. <laughs> Australian Grand Prix stuff. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. Yeah. Just in summary, I think that was an entertaining race to start the season. Don't yeah, you? I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it was really good. Um, definitely, the midfield is so 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 tight, tighter than I thought they were even going to be. Yeah, which um, is very exciting. We are set up for one heck of a season, I think, based on today's race. Yeah, definitely. And um, we'll start with some qualifying notes and just kind of cover the little bits and pieces that happened during qualifying because it feels pretty relevant. It was the first time we saw everyone really pushing the cars the, the maximum they're capable of, really as well. So. It is worth definitely worth noting. Um, the first thing, really, I think, was Gasly going out in Q one. A bit of a surprise, do you think? Yeah, I was. I was a bit surprised by that. Um, I don't know. I don't really know why. It didn't look like there was any sort of any issues with the car. If anything, Verstappen was supposed to be the one that had issues with the car. He had engine trouble after the race that they checked, but apparently it was fine. Um, and he'd had a new chassis during the weekend as well. Yeah, which is uh, so, no small undertaking. No. Um, yeah, I was a bit surprised by that. And I was more surprised in the race by um, the Gasly and Kvyat battle. We'll, we'll get to that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that maybe there's something that he just wasn't feeling this weekend, whether it's the way the, the car was at this specific circuit or something. But like you say, the, the surprise of qualifying kind of carried through into the race it wasn't what we kind of expected to see i guess no uh, from gasly or the red bull for that matter no um another slight surprise in the fact that a lot of people were seeing them as the fourth place team was both ricardo and hulkenberg going out in q2 um in mm. 11th and 12th so do we think that's the sort of true pace of that car? Do we think that's where they might end up being, sort of the middle of the midfield almost? I don't know. I don't know. Daniel Avocado, um, he, <laughs> he, yes. he, um, he obviously he, he was. It was only a couple of attempts off his teammate, so they're both. So they're def, there's no sort of deficit between the two. I would say that they're quite evenly matched. So the. I'd say they probably both got the maximum out of the car for for this track. What I do think is maybe this track is a quite a lot diff. Well, we know this track's quite a lot different from from uh, from where they test in 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 Spain at Barcelona. So that could be why we're seeing this sort of shuffle in in the order to what we were expecting. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's hard it's, to tell. It, it, 
going back to just the gap between them in Q2, where they both set those lap times that put them 11th and 12th, there was actually only eight one thousandths of a second between them. Wow, um, that is close. Yeah, it was a 22.562 for Hulkenberg and then a 122.57 for <laughs> Ricardo. So there was like next to nothing in yeah, it. Like, nothing. That's, that's, that's like ridiculously a, close. Yeah, it's not even um, a meter across the line. That's that's nothing. That's a couple of inches yeah, across and, the line. And to be fair to them both, that's only 300 um, behind Perez who squeaked through into Q3. So it's... It is actually a lot closer than it might necessarily look at a glance. The, those times are extremely close from yeah. sort of probably about the Haas downwards, really. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out on another circuit, like you say, and see, see mm. how much shuffling around we get. Um, Speaking of those midfield teams as well, uh, Albon on his qualifying debut outqualified his returning teammate, Kvyat. Um, they were 13th and 15th respectively, so they both went out in Q2. Um, mm-hmm. But Albon was a couple of places ahead of Kvyat. Anything to read in that, do you think? That early victory for Albon? Um, well, I think it means Albon's quicker than I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, to begin with, I, I, was, I was fully expecting Albon to be the slowest car Um on the track, but actually, no, he's, he's proved me wrong. Properly proved me wrong there. Uh, Kvyat, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I don't know what to make of Kvyat yet. I'm going to, I'm going to reserve judgment on him until, until we get a few mm-hmm. races in. He's, he's done a couple of things this Grand Prix to sort of show me that he's not progressed an awful lot from where he was before, but, um, you know, it's only one race. So let's see. Yeah. The, that's true. Um, I'm slightly disappointed with Kvyat specifically, I think, out of the two. Just because, and I know we can't take a huge amount from free practice, but the car looked a lot better in that midfield compared to the others around it than it ended up being in qualifying. Now, whether that is just purely sandbagging from other teams and Kvyat was getting the most out of it, but I just I don't know. I feel like he specifically didn't get the most out of it. Um, Alvin, well, I think you've got a little more like sort of leeway for him to to find yeah. his groove in qualifying, get and get used to the formula and, and so on. But yeah, I, I don't know if Kvyat maybe got the best out of the car in quality. Well, it absolutely. It, it, there's no way he got the best out of the car. Alvin was, you know, he had two spins during the practice sessions as well. Yeah, don't forget. Um, and he's still out qualified his teammate. So he's yeah. had less time to practice and yet he's still beating his teammates. So it says, I think that tells you everything you need to know about who's quicker on those two. Yeah. Yeah. See how that progresses. Could be a nice yeah. battle through the season, really. Yeah, totally. Especially for Albon's cons- confidence as well. Mm. Um, another rookie um, with an impressive performance was Lando Norris um, into Q3 um, and ended up eighth overall in Q3. Really impressive from the young lad in the McLaren. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he sort of. He's, where was science? Science were. Where did science? Science went out in Q one. Q one wasn't he? he was eighteenth. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's. I mean, he's beating his teammate um, in a McLaren, and to to qualify in eighth in the McLaren is really, really, really good going. Um, he showed himself. Mm-hmm. He showed. You know, he's shown that brilliance that he showed in in 
uh, F2 all season last year. Um, well, for a lot, especially in qualifying, it was a really good qualifier, wasn't he, last yeah. year in F2? Um, and yeah, more of the same, please, Lando. <laughs> yeah, if he, if he can keep putting those results in, it'll show why he's deserved the drive, at least, won't he? And, yeah, totally. And, like, and no, if that car progresses, then, you know, there's hope for for him. For the, like, he's, I think I'm right in saying he's the only teenager left on the grid. Everybody else is 20 plus now. So he's oh, the only really? one that's a teenager. <laughs> 19. 19, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, you know, he. I think he's got, he's obviously, there's, there's still plenty of work to do on that McLaren. Um, yeah. And it's, it, he's sort of ticked the first box, beat your teammate, get into Q3. It's about taking those little sort of steps, isn't it, now for him? Like, get yeah. your first points, get your first win, get your, get your first podium, maybe get your first win down the line. So obviously that's probably not going to be this year in the McLaren, but you never know. You never know if we get a rainy day or uh, some crazy, crazy situations, which we often do. Um, mm-hmm. He might find himself on the podium, but yeah, you know, he's he's made a good start. He's getting into Q3 in your very first qualifying session in a car that's probably not the class of the field is pretty good going, I'd say. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see if, well, and hopeful to see that progress into something more like you say. Um, all it takes is a rainy quality in somewhere like Monaco, suddenly sticking a car at the front of the grid there is yeah. very powerful. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Bottas started asserting some dominance early in qualifying as well. Uh, set a time of 120.598 in Q3 and was the first man from memory to dip under the 121s. It was more than half a second faster than anyone except Hamilton at the time as well. So it was a huge lap, really, for Bottas at that point. Uh, but Hamilton did eventually end up beating him in the second run, uh, finishing with a 120.486. So around a tenth yeah. in it by the end. Yeah, yeah, just over a tenth, wasn't it? Um, yeah. It looked like he had Hamilton beat when he put that when he popped the 120.5 in. Um <sighs> Yeah, it was it was really really touch and go, wasn't it for for Hamilton? Yeah, and I think that um, between the two of them, from memory, when when Bottas had his second run, he still hit some purple. I think it was the first sector he yeah, still first hit sector purple. Was purple. Yeah, yeah. So he he was making the time up in, in early in the the lap, and Lewis, from what I could tell, was making it up towards the end of the lap, and. I think they were possibly fairly similar in the middle, but it was interesting to see because it showed that the different drivers with different techniques, but the same machinery were finding the time in slightly different areas of the circuit. Um, And it's still fairly close, really, I think, between the two of them, especially after the... um, the season Bottas had last year. I think he needed... A performance like what we've seen from him this weekend, just to even if it's just for himself to say, like, here I am. Um, yeah, I think he needed it, so it was a shame not to see him not get the pole, but better things were to come, I guess. <laughs> as, yeah, yeah, as anyone it, listening it? probably already knows, Ho- hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else you could think of worth mentioning from qualifying? Uh, from what you saw? No, I I was actually really really busy during qualifying, so I'm struggling to recall most of it. But um, <laughs> yes, uh, it was it was a good sesh. It was a really really good session. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. I remember do I do remember watching the very. I was very very tired for most of qualifying as well, and for most of the <laughs> day after qualifying. Um, 
I'm for most of the race. Yeah, I'm probably. I'm for, for most, most of, of now. Well. Yeah, yeah, I'm exhausted. Is <laughs> suffice to say, I'm I'm pretty knackered. Uh, it, I, I just remember being on the edge of my seat at the end of qualifying, like not being able that that it was really one of those really really good sessions where it could go either way, and that's what you want. That's what you want from qualifying. You want that uncertainty and that you know that that jeopardy of like who's going to get it, who's who's going to who's going to bring home the bacon kind of thing yeah so yeah it was very entertaining what do you make of the ferrari performance there just before we do move on because you got to remember like yeah seb's seven tenths off lewis six off bottas and then leclerc's another two and a half tenths behind him with max verstappen wedged in the middle there so Mm. well i mean if the (laughs) They were supposed to take the sandbags out before qualifying, weren't they, Ferrari? But they seem to have left them in. <laughs> yeah, that's is, what I'd say. Is it possible as well that because we saw we saw Mercedes quite strong at this circuit last season, and Ferrari obviously took advantage of some poor Mercedes strategy calls under the safety car? Yeah. Do we think that it's not something to be too worried about just yet? I wouldn't think so just yet. I think it's a long old season. It looks it looks like a very, very big gap. Seven tenths looks like a lot. And it is a lot. It's Formula One. It is quite a big gap. It's a, mm. I think it's a bigger gap than last year. What was last year's gap? Well, for perspective, Lewis was on pole by just under seven tenths last year from Was it really? Kimmy. Yeah. It was one twenty one point one last year. and Raikkonen was second with a 121.8 and Seb wow. like fractionally behind him. So it's not wow. actually that different of an outcome to last no. year. Yeah, it's just as close. Uh, mm, well, I mean, that tells you all you need to know, doesn't it? Like, because we, we did see Ferrari have the faster car for most of the season and it did look like the fastest car in testing. So it's almost like deja vu occurring, isn't it? I guess a little. <laughs> um, it bodes well for the rest of the season, I think. For definitely, the, certainly the. I mean, it bodes well for Mercedes for the rest of the season for them to be seven times ahead. But it, like I said, it's a very different track from from the other circuits we go to. It's it's almost as unique as Monaco in a way because it's not a permanent circuit. There's a lot of running, an awful lot of running of support series as well, which yeah. makes the there's all that the lots and lots of different kinds of rubber laid down on the track and it isn't always necessarily the kind of rubber that the Pirelli tires like to interact with. So that has an effect. It makes the grip quite variable across, across different, I mean, and I'm talking sort of lines of rubber, not necessarily like sectors of track. I'm talking like bits of road across the track have different, very varied levels of grip. Yeah. So that, that has an effect. I think the corner. I feel like the corners are quite unique um, in Melbourne as well because you have a lot of um, not quite right angled, but you know, very, very close to right angled rights, followed by those sweeping lefts, and you get that like two or three times through the circuit, and it it's quite hard on the on the cars from a grip level point of view. The and the breaking down into those corners as well. You're coming in at some pretty high speeds, hitting then uh, those sweeping corners. So yeah, well, if you look at the if you look at the track, if you look at the layout of the track, there's only really one 
well, one, two, th- I mean, there's only really one high-speed corner that you can actually call a corner. The others are kind of, well, maybe two high-speed corners. Most of them are medium or slow-speed corners. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's it is it's a lot different from Barcelona. Um, and it's not a real, it's not like a normal racetrack. It's not all like a normal racetrack. So it's going to be a lot. I think the picture will be much, much different in Bahrain in qualifying. Definitely. Let's talk about the race then. We've kind of touched yes. on it already a little bit, but let's go through the key talking points. So Ricardo Herman lost his front wing pretty much immediately. Um, squeezed out a little bit by Perez, but all seemed fairly yeah, legit. Don't think there was any problem a, there, really. No, it was more a twitch, wasn't it? It was kind of a twitch mm. from Perez, and it sort of obviously Ricardo's sort of moved to to adjust for that twitch. And yeah, what happened happened, which I haven't let you say yet. <laughs> yeah, so what happened happened. Um, Ricardo ended up uh, out on the grass a little, and essentially, if you've not seen the angle of it that shows the detail of what happened, there's a big patch in the middle of the grass that's actually been segregated out for a gutter. And what he's done is dropped into that. And then obviously the grass rises back up on the other side and it's just taken his front wing from in front of him as he's launched himself over that, which is unfortunate really because... Yeah, it was really, it was really, really unlucky with that, I thought. Like, you don't really expect... <laughs> To, I mean, he barely even dipped a wheel off. It was only like half a wheel off, and his back wheel was only about half a wheel off. But um, mm. it, it so you you saw the car sort of dip down forward, and it just popped the front wing, the, the actual wing section of the front wing, rather than the whole nose cone and everything else. It was just the wing that sort of slapped against the floor and got got snapped off the rest of the car. Um, yeah. And yeah, he did well to get it stopped into turn one. I thought. I was just about to say, once you've lost that front wing, there's a huge amount of your stopping power gone there. Mm. Um, and he did really well. Obviously, he was under lockup, but to keep hold of that car and, and keep out of others' way was impressive, to say the least. Um, the most heart-wrenching bit of it for me wasn't actually the incident. It was the way that you heard the entire grandstand literally sigh with disappointment yeah, yeah, because, when it happened. Oh, yeah. Like, Oh, it was heart wrenching to think that they saw that and they kind of just knew that that was it. Yeah, his race is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, especially when the field is as tight as it is. Like something like that happens, and you're a midfield car. That's your race is done. Yeah, like you're not. You're gonna go down a lap. You're not gonna catch him. It's it's a shame, really. Like he he pitted, obviously got the wing repaired, and came back out on the um, the harder tire to try and go the distance, but ultimately ended up retiring um, sort of around the midway kind of point just because don't know if it was related to the damage or not. I've not actually had a chance to check yet. Do you know what the retirement was no, related to? No, uh, there's no information on that yet. No, it, I, I think, think so. Dan- Daniel himself said it was probably just to... He, he didn't even know, but um, it's probably just to save the, save, save the components of the car. Yeah, like they've realised they're not achieving anything trying to get back through the yeah. field and kind of giving up on it, which is a shame. Yeah. But it is a shame. That is racing, I guess. It yeah. is racing. It is racing. Um, still, <laughs> still barely at <laughs> turn one. Not even got to turn one yet. <laughs> barely even got off but, the line. Yeah. I was going to make a really bad joke about Danny Rick then, but I have too much respect for the man to do it, so I'm going to move on. Yeah. Danny Ricardo. <laughs> 
Yeah, Daniel Avocado. Did you see that he met that kid, by the way? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it was. It was, it, a cool it, 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 it was cute, but it was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't interviewing the kid because he was just like one word answers. Everything, <laughs> everything that he said to him was just like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Do you know my name? Yeah, it's Daniel Avocado. <laughs> Thanks, <Yeah>. dude. <laughs> anyway, Bottas. An absolutely electric star from Bottas. Um, Lewis did seem a little bit bogged down with wheel spin, but you really can't take anything away from just how lightning killer start Bottas had. Yeah, it, it was the it was the second phase of the of the start that he really hooked up. It looks so that Lewis looked to me like he got off the line a little bit quicker, but then like that second, you know, as you go through the second and third gears, Bottas just at it just hooked up beautifully yeah. for him and just how he absolutely launched alongside Hamilton and yeah he got got himself ahead into turn one key place to be yeah I'm not sure what percentage this puts it at but the stats for being on pole at Australia are not good at all um, I'm sure it's like yeah. 40% win ratio isn't it from pole it was 39% actually I think was it 39 before today week? Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is today, but it's probably less than that today. Yeah, um, because well, be it will be, it would, in theory, it would be. Um, <laughs> so Hamilton's been on pole eight times in the last eight years there, and he's won two of them. Yeah, I think that statistically that works out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm going to go with you on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, he's maybe the idea here should be sandbag and go for second. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It, well, maybe. I, I suppose like if, you know, I mean, you do have the inside line if you're in second place down into true. one. And it's one of the, isn't it one of the only tracks where you have that? Because like the, 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 the rubbered in line is on the outside of the corner, isn't it? Yeah. So I think generally speaking, they try and base the pole position on the actual racing line, don't they? So, for a lot of the time, it's it probably is. It probably would be on the outside. Going to be on the outside because of the way that you know, turn one will work. But yeah. I'd have to actually sit and think about where every single pole position is on every single track to work out if I'm right with that. Yeah, or not. I don't think I even if I even I don't think I even have that information stored in my brain, Tom. So you do no, neither do I. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, another great start was that of Leclerc. Uh, he almost. Mm. Got by Vettel into turn one, but was squeezed out a little bit. Um, a little bit by the seasoned champion. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Oh. Leclerc himself afterwards said, "You know, it's all fair. I don't think he quite realised where I was, yeah, um, and right. it's just he what knew. happens at the start. Like he, the thing is, he, he took it in, you know, fair spirit, didn't he? He didn't, he didn't like knock him, and it clearly didn't knock him with." what we'll talk about slightly later on in the race. Um, so I think it's a good sign that he's not phased by having a world champion like Seb as his teammate. The no, fact that he's be. kind of just shrugged that off and said, that's racing, just got to get on with it. So, Yeah. Do you think, I don't know, this is my sort of first big thing for this race because I felt like Vettel squeezed him. To, that's his teammate. And he yeah. should know where he's going to be. I think he squeezed him when he didn't need to. He didn't. He didn't need to squeeze him like that. Probably didn't. Especially if he's especially if he's secure as the number one driver. Why is he squeezing his teammate like that? Uh, well, 
maybe he's not as secure as he thinks. No, yeah, maybe he yeah, doesn't exactly. think he's as secure as everyone else thinks he is. That's it. He's definitely sort of getting. He had his elbows out through that corner. There's no yeah. doubt about that in my mind. Like there was just absolute. I didn't. I didn't see the need to uh, to squeeze him as tightly as that through there. Um, if he didn't see him, then fair enough. But I don't believe for one second that I didn't see him. <laughs> I've got a sneaky suspicion that something like that means we might end up with um, a Ricardo Vettel Red Bull type scenario yeah, towards absolutely. the end of the season where if Leclerc can find his form in the car and Ferrari allow him to do it, that he might start to rattle Seb. If he keeps getting starts like that and oh, you know, getting I, I alongside think... him into turn one, it's, yeah. it's going to start to rattle Seb sooner or later. I think it's already happened. I think all of that yeah. has already happened. I think he's already he's already shown himself to be in the groove of the car um, through, throughout the race. He's, he had a really good, really good race. He he's got the good. The kid's got the goods. He's absolutely got the goods. There's no doubt he's going to be, you know, fighting Vettel for position throughout this season. He's yeah. I would say he's the quicker driver myself. Interesting um, over a race distance, anyway. Yeah, interesting. Given stuff. in in the current in the current form, but yeah, yeah, there's there's a long old season to go yet, Stu. We've got to average yes, this stuff is. out eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what else happened next? Let's see. I think the next sort of big thing was probably losing science on lap eleven. Um, yeah. At the time, they were suspecting it was the MGUK failing that caused the fire. I don't know again if that got 100% confirmed or not if anyone said anything I haven't heard any different yet so I'm sticking with that information at the time of recording yeah and of course the fire marshal squirted the fire extinguisher juice right up the trumpet of the uh, McLaren as well so his turbo is probably gone so that'll be a new turbocharger straight away for race two need some new overalls too because he managed to hit science with it at the same time yeah, did you see the paint like bubbling up off the car as well? Um, I mentioned in sort of race time chat that I called it a proper fire. <laughs> I referred to it as that's a proper fire. That look at the paint bubbling. Yeah, is how I it put was it. a proper fire, and it, it, I can't believe how long it took him to get out as well. It took him ages to get out of the car. I did see a question online as during the race about this from one of our listeners, and it was along the lines of do we know why he was in there so long? And the only thing I could think to reply with is there must be some sort of procedure or something he was going through that the team were asking him to to do before he got out because I can't imagine he'd want to be sat in that car for any second no. longer than he needed to. Yeah, so there even, must even have been something. He, even getting out, he looked quite pedestrian on his way out of the mm. car. Maybe maybe the team told him they're coming to put it out, do do these things, you're fine. Yeah. And I suppose if your team says that to you, then you, you trust your team. So yeah. you're going to... You know you're gonna you're gonna do what they ask you to do, and you that, obviously you want to protect your car for the remaining races as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he didn't seem too phased when he got out of it, like no. suddenly realizing what was going on or anything. So, yeah. yeah, the only people that know the true answer to that question is obviously Carlos Sainz and his engineers. But yeah, I don't think we'll Co- get that answer from yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> and another option is maybe he simply didn't know that quite how badly on fire his car was. Yeah, that's true. But um however however you know, however badly it was, you could see the paint bubbling up. That's not gonna be in great condition on the inside. You're gonna have a lot of singed cables and there's gonna be a lot of rebuilding going on on that McLaren before Bahrain. Definitely. Definitely. Next 
we saw Grosjean taking a slow stop, costing him a number of places. <sighs> Ultimately, this ended his race a bit further on. Um, it was originally all down with the left front. It was very mm. slow going on, and essentially, it eventually came off. Very reminiscent of what happened to the Haas cars last year at this very circuit. Yeah, well, it's it's the exact same. It's the exact same thing, pretty much. Yeah, one was a rear left last year, one was a front left last year, uh, if I remember yeah. rightly. I can't remember if, which one was Grosjean's, but regardless, the, the pretty much the same thing happened almost Yeah, exactly the same way. Obviously, the difference is at least this year they, you know, didn't let the car leave the pit without the wheel fully attached. I think what what happened this, I don't know if you know this. Do you do you know what happened exactly? I don't know the full extent. Grosjean himself thought there was something wrong with the suspension, yeah, okay. which would have explained why they struggled to get the wheel on, I guess. But if you've yeah, got the yeah. juicy deets, let's have them. Well, yeah, what happened was it, it was essentially the same thing as last year. There was nothing wrong with the suspension. It felt to Grosjean, it felt like the suspension because his front left wheel's coming off. And <laughs> yeah. obviously they'd feel very similar. But, you know, you're feeling through the steering wheel, so it'd feel like suspension. But actually, um, it was... They couldn't get the wheel on in in the in the pit box, so they took it off and they put it on again, and then it felt like it did go on. And the sheer force of them putting it on the second time damaged the wheel nut, and it came loose and came off again further around the track. So yeah, that's what happened. That that would have been my initial suspicion is that the struggles to get it on did some damage to the nut yeah. and the fixings. So. That's I'm exactly what happened. They so they've probably confirmed. they probably sheared it or rounded it off or something. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's uh, it's failed. Hmm. I wonder if Gunther was on the phone again after that incident. I mean, what can you do? You know, like it's these things. Like, it's, they've gone twenty races in between, yeah. and and it and it's not happened since. You know, can they must have put things in place to prevent that happening? I think it's just sheer bad luck. Yeah. No, no pun intended. <laughs> I was just about to say. Oh, oh, let's move away from that one. <laughs> yeah, quickly, moving on. Move away, move away. Um, around that time, we did also see the Ricardo complete retirement that we've talked about, but we've discussed it, so we will move on past that. Um, it's pit stop time, and obviously Grosjean was one of the early ones as well, but Seb interestingly stopped quite a bit earlier than a lot had predicted, which then caused Mercedes to bring in Lewis to cover him. Um, I think this really ultimately killed any hopes that either of them had of challenging Bottas, who was very quickly disappearing into the evening. Um, (laughs) I think this really killed those chances off, though. Um, Lewis questioned it a little bit of saying, you know, why was I brought in so early? And the team clearly said it was to cover Seb stopping early. We didn't want to be out of sync with him, which makes sense. Uh, you know, in the, in that side of things from Mercedes' point of view, it's the right call to make. Um, but do we think Ferrari made a mistake with Seb? Because to be honest, both both the two of them seemed to struggle a little bit on those medium tyres, knowing that they had yeah. to go so long on them to the end of the race. Well, I think you have to drive... You have to drive to the tire you've got, and if 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 the numbers show that the that putting the new tire on will make you go faster, and you can go faster for a longer period of time, for a longer period in the race, to maybe to even to the end of the race, then you have to take the pit stop, don't you? Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's. I, I think they were probably aiming 
Ferrari are definitely aiming to somehow... I mean, Ferrari knew that they were slow. Ferrari knew that they weren't going to win this race. So Ferrari actually are probably looking back to... They're looking behind them at this point. They're not worried too much about Hamilton. They're probably they're not going to be able to quit him off. So Mercedes bringing Lewis in to cover them off, they probably didn't really need to do. Even though, I'm sure they did do it for that reason. Unbeknownst to them, they didn't need to at the time. Um it's a, I guess it's a shame for Ferrari because I really wanted to see Ferrari challenging more in the race than in qualifying. I thought they'd have better race pace, but um, yeah, they were just like, even, you know, Vettel came over the radio, why are we so slow? And the team came back, we don't know yet. So that that's, that tells you that they're yeah. kind of in a bit of a sticky situation. They, they, I think they've gone down a bit of an alley in setup this weekend. I think that's why they've... Uh, that's where they've been so much slower. I don't. Th- I really, really don't think they'll be that much slower in uh, in Bahrain. No, I'm interested to see where the pace brings them out there. Um, and yeah, there is, for example, like with when Vettel stopped um, initially, no one had even stopped and then done a long enough stint on the the tires that they changed to yeah. for Ferrari to be looking at that data and saying. Oh, so and so has stopped, and he's now on mediums and going hella quick. Yes, let's, let's take advantage and do that now before Mercedes do. You know, the the earliest pit stop before them realistically was Raikkonen on lap twelves, two laps before. Yeah. Um, they were out of ideas. That's why they were. Yeah. They knew they were slow. They were out of ideas, and they 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 thought the only thing we can do at this point is change the tires and hope that we're that we're faster. That we'll be able yeah. to cover off the guys behind and maybe even catch up the guys in front if we're lucky. And, you know, it just wasn't enough. I do remember hearing before the race that theoretically a two-stop was actually quicker, like as in, you know, really punishing the tyres, getting the maximum out of them mm. in a burst and, and two-stopping. But it would obviously mean having to fight your way through people. And I've got a feeling that maybe a lot of the teams, well, in fact, just about all of them one-stopped so, other than those further down the grid. So... I've got a feeling that they weren't all 100% sure that they'd be able to make those overtakes, especially at a track like Australia. You can't really blame them, I don't think, can you? It's not a circuit known for its overtaking. No, no, that's that's the... Yeah, that's it. Like, why... If, if you pit... Track position is... what It's one of those track positions, everything tracks. Um, without... If you if you're gonna try and pit twice, you're adding you're adding a lot of risk to yeah. your strategy because as soon as you stop the car and you take the wheels off of it and you put another set on, you open yourself up to uh, Hassa's possible dramas. Very true. So, yeah. you know that's if you if you can get away, if you can get through just as quick through the race without without having to do that, then that's obviously the safer option. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, they just they they just lacked pace this weekend. The 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 setup was wrong for this track. I think yeah. maybe it's to do with the uh, cigarette branding they took off the car. Maybe that's slowed them down. <laughs> Could be. Could also be the way they've shaped their wing differently or something. You know, <laughs> but yeah, it's, the, it's the cigarette. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speed stickers. It's Speed the arrows. Stickers. They make them go faster. <laughs> go faster branding. Yeah. Um, so that whole thing with Seb and Lewis coming in a lot earlier than most, um, that basically led to Max being able to catch them. Um, he managed to dispatch Vettel fairly easily, but 
he never really found a way through Lewis for that second place. Um, he did mm. make a mistake or two while following Lewis. Um, he, he went did. off track at least once, um, which dropped him sort of two seconds further back, and he lost the gap that he closed down. So yeah. he had to fight that back. But I think there came a point where Verstappen and the team not necessarily settled for third, but kind of thought to themselves, we're in a good position here. Let's not be silly and push too hard and make a mess of it. I think that's where they ended up by the end of the race. Yeah. I f- yeah. And I think there's another ele- another element to this is probably Lewis was managing that gap a, a little bit as well. He was pushing when he needed to push. Precisely. Yeah. To, to keep that sort of second and a half. It, it was a second and a half for a long, long time. Yeah. It um, was that gap. The, it looked for a while like he was, yeah, like you say, it looked like he was trying to save his tires for like a, you know, a, a final ten lap sort of showdown. Well, if you like this is the thing. Like there was a, I don't know if you caught it with the stuff you were doing, but the radio broadcast literally to Max was, um, let's save these and have ten laps of fun towards the end, and. That obviously went out on live broadcast. It went out on the apps and everything like that. So I heard it twice. And obviously Mercedes heard that. So as soon as they heard that, they were like, right, Lewis, so conserve as much as you can and be prepared to defend for 10 laps towards the end because he's holding off for the time being. So don't worry too much and just maintain the gap. Like, you know, that's what will have happened. Yeah. And that's well, and that explains why. why Bottas was so far ahead as well, like why he didn't eat into Bottas's lead, why he yeah. didn't try to. I mean, I know he did have a bit of floor damage as well, Hamilton, but you know why when you've got why when you know you've got a storming Max Verstappen coming up behind you, why risk your tires by going for a win that's or closing a gap that's never going to lead to a win? You're going to yeah. defend. Like the the first place was already gone by that point. It's it's defensive mode after that, isn't it? I think so. I'd agree with that completely. Mm. Um, another interesting chase was Leclerc uh, reeling in Vettel at literally a second a lap at one point, maybe even quicker as well. Um, he got all the way down into DRS, and I remember the gap being 0.4, 0.5, and yeah. I literally watched it closing on the timing sheet because they weren't showing it on broadcast. And I was watching, <laughs> I was watching the gap go down. I was like. 0. 0.7, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.3. Yeah. He's there. He's show it on screen, please. And then he kind of really yeah. dropped off. And I think that was the point where some team orders, to some degree, yeah. came into play because he Definitely. never really got that close again after that. Yeah, he he called off the fight for sure. He was he must have been told. I mean, we never heard it across the radio or anything, but he's absolutely been told to uh, to back off his teammate there. Yeah. Um, the rate he was catching him, he was doing a second a lap into him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I remember so, sitting and watching it and every single lap I was watching it that time was around a second obviously not every single lap sometimes it was like 0.8 but then other laps it was 1.2 like it was averaging yeah. out a second a lap he was eating into him um, the the main pitfall with this I think is that when Leclerc stopped he was the last of those front runners to stop so he actually went as long as I think it was lap 28 if I remember rightly um, and the only people anywhere near that out of the front runners was Verstappen who went to 25 and Bottas who went to 23 mm. but all those ahead of him went on to the medium compound and Leclerc went on to the harder compound and I think this comes back to the fact that 
he had an extra set of those compared to everybody else. He ah. took he took an extra set of hard, and I think he sacrificed a set of medium for that set. So the question is really, if he'd been on the medium, if there had been an option for him, I genuinely think quick. he'd have closed that gap down to Vettel a little quicker, and he'd have possibly been able to overtake him. I think so. Because well, I wonder if I wonder if it I wonder if the hard tire was the better race tire and uh, possibly and the medium was maybe it needed a bit more management. I suppose there is that as well. Um, it's the other way of looking. It, at it. It, yeah, if you've got the hard tire and you can push, 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 push as hard yeah. as as hard as you want all day. Whereas if you're on the medium and they're marginal and you put them on quite early, which Vettel did, you're gonna you're gonna need to do a lot more conserving. And that would that to me would explain the 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 way. Leclerc reeled him in yeah. so much quicker. Both 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 views are valid because obviously the tires are younger. So either way, it probably would have been he probably would have caught him quicker on the medium tires, but he wouldn't have been able to push for as long on them. Yeah, that's very true. I think as well when it comes down to the whole team orders asking him to basically not overtake Vettel. I think had he closed down Seb sooner. Um, and the gap to Verstappen and Lewis not being another 13 seconds down the track like it was at the time that he got behind Seb, I think we might have seen a slightly different outcome to that. Mm. But by the time he was on Seb's exhaust, he didn't really have the the time left to chase down the other two and hunt that podium. Whereas if he'd have got to Seb quicker... I think they'd have possibly let him have a go because a podium's a podium to Ferrari, realistically, in that scenario, yeah, isn't sure. it? Mm, that's it. I mean, they, they, I feel like Ferrari have lost out a little bit. I think Leclerc was clearly the quicker car, and it mm. could have been. It could have given. It could have had an opportunity to catch up to Verstappen. I think. But how far ahead was Verstappen at the, the point? When... At, the, at the point that Leclerc properly closed down Vettel to be able to be in a position to do something about it. Verstappen was about a second and a half behind Lewis and, and 13 seconds ahead oh, on the right, road okay. in front of um, the Ferraris. And at that point, I believe there was only about eight laps left. So even if he reeled them in at the same rate, he was reeling in Seb. He still would have put got pressure to them. on him though, and they could have made a mistake. That's true. That is always true that, you know, his pace coming up behind them, if he's suddenly taking 1.2, 1.3 seconds a lap out of them, because they're conserving, then it could worry them and, and you know put some pressure on them to, to yeah, speed yeah, up and lead push, to a mistake. Speed up. Yeah, exactly. There is um, that. Yeah, I think I think Ferrari have slipped up there strategy wise. I feel like they should have let Leclerc through and uh, and let him have a let him just push his way up forward. So oh. t- I, I think Ferrari got it all wrong this weekend. I really do. Yeah, I just hope that it's not with what's gone on there with this Seb pit stop, and then obviously this that we're talking about now. I just hope that from a management point of view, we're not going to enter those scenarios that we'd seen previously, where Ferrari literally did themselves out of valuable points and wins by making odd calls that most yeah. of the pit wall would do the opposite kind of thing. I just yeah. hope that we don't enter that, and it's just a little bit of a blip. Um, oh, well, I mean, I want yeah, that. I want that hope, fight. I want that fight between could, the three. I, of them. I want to. I I really want to. I really, really, really want to see Leclerc and Vettel properly, properly fighting. And we were. I think we we're robbed of a race today by Ferrari between those yeah. two. But you know that's Ferrari. Yeah. 
Um, also, some Williams cars turned up. <laughs> this is this is like down a news segment, um, really. If losing Daniel Ricciardo from his home race so early wasn't depressing enough, um, the Williams were dreadful. Um, Russell ended up about two laps down, and Kubik yeah. uh, was like another lap and a half behind down. him. Like it was the yeah. the gap from. Russell to Kibitza by the end of the race was something like one one minute thirty. It was, and that was just between the two of them. So yeah. that's, oh, it was yeah. yeah, it was savage. It was pretty pretty poor show from Williams this weekend. And Kubitz uh, had some Kubitz's really, first time back in eight and a half years. He immediately lost his front wing. Um, again, I think he was. It was. Um, oh, I think it was Gasly who uh, who sort of twitched and went into him and led him to lost his front wing. So that went flying over the top of the car, damaged a load of the back of it, which explains why he was three laps down, his t- two laps down, his t- a lap down, sorry, on his teammate, yeah. who was himself two laps down. Um, and yeah, his, it took his wing mirror off as well. So all that time he's getting lapped. You've got to think he's had, he's had to let, what, <laughs> 50 cars by <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with just yeah. one wing mirror. Like it must have been a really difficult race for Cubit. So first time back in eight years as well. Like yeah, I mean, but that's not the achievement, the personal achievement of hit of his to be running in a race yeah. eight and a half years after such a horrific injury is substantial. Like that, that is a huge, huge achievement. And considering that the the entire time in testing, he barely managed a race distance in his total time on track. Um, yeah. So that's realistically the first time he's properly done a race distance. Um, since he could be returned as well. Obviously, there'll be simulator work and stuff, but as in yeah. you, the valuable time of being in the car on the track, that's realistically the first time he's, he's properly done that much running in that scenario. So yeah, and uh, and Williams say they Williams do say they've they've found yet again for a second season running a fundamental flaw with their car, which I guess at least they know what it is, but like developing it, the car out of that. I mean, how how big mm-hmm. is this fundamental flaw? Is it do you need a B spec car? Um, you know, is it is it going to take weeks or months to to get it out of this hole? Yeah, the exactly. good news for them, I suppose, is the midfield is so tight that when they do get it out of the hole, then there's not going to be uh, provided that. Oh, I mean, obviously everyone's going to be moving forwards, and they're already massively on the back foot. But if they do sort of catch them up, then those places will come thick and fast. Yeah, as they develop, if they can develop quicker. Yeah, if they can develop into that midfield battle, there's enough swapping and changing around that midfield that they can probably pick up some points um, at some point. But like you say, it's if they now know what that floor is, it's working out how to move past it and and improve from it. So yeah, yeah, it will be interesting to see how they move on over the next weeks. So how did the race end, Tom? Um, Bass won. Yay! Yay! <laughs> yeah, so um, for those living under a rock, <laughs> Valtteri Bottas won, Hamilton finished second, and Verstappen was third. Um, the fastest lap eventually went to Bottas. He held it for a long time until everybody was... else started trying to take it from him, and he was adamant it was his. Yeah. Adamant. You know what? He, he All through the race, he was setting fastest laps, you know? Yeah. Like every every other lap, he was setting the fastest lap. Every sort of five six laps, he'd set the fastest lap. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, there was just such dominance from him. It was so good, and yeah, to to snatch it back at the end as well. After Verstappen got it on the third from last lap, yeah. Hamilton got it on the second to last lap, and then Bottas took it back on the final lap. Well, he took it back going into the final lap, didn't he? Going into the final yeah. lap, yeah. Um, and <laughs> the favorite part of mine during all of that was I'm just trying to see if I can find the actual comment because i did write it down somewhere but it was along the lines of um he was asking and saying look we've got a pit stop in hand do we want to stop for fresh tires and go for fastest lap he was told no it's too much of a risk we need to hold on to what we've got so his response was well i want 26 points so i'm just gonna try with these tires (laughs) and then just (laughs) like they just wouldn't let him stop and he was like i don't care i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) yeah yeah and he did and he did, yeah, exactly. I did it at the perfect time as well, sort of that lap where now nobody's realistically got a chance to react to that because if they've all already started the lap behind him when they've realised that his fastest lap is already too late. Um, so, yeah, impressive performance from him all round. I think. I'd say all weekend, really, because he wasn't exactly shabby in qualifying, was he? It was just that Lewis pulled out a blind of a lap. So, Yeah, yeah, Lewis did what Lewis does, which is... Do amazing quality laps. Yeah, very true. Um, the, I think if Lewis had got ahead in, into turn one, it we might have been looking at a different race. Yeah, but oh, we certainly we might have been looking at a different result. I don't know if the race would have been much different. Maybe it would have been because Hamilton had floor, floor damage, so it could have been maybe just those two roles reversed, possibly because you'd have had Bottas covering off Vettel. Probably, I'd have thought. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, would you give him? Driver of the day. Bottas? Yes. Because uh... I would, personally. I, yeah. That's where my yeah, vote I think went. I will. Very dominant performance from him on the drive. Yeah. I think he got official driver of the day as well. I hope so. I believe he did, but I hope he did. Um, that's where my vote went officially and on the podcast as well. Um, move of the day. Obviously, we didn't see a huge number, but we did see some. Do you have a nomination uh... there? I do. I have Norris on Giovinazzi during the Giovinazzi train. Yes, that was a nice one. Do you remember the Giovinazzi train? I remember the Giovinazzi train. Yes, I also called it the Giovinazzi train. The thing, Did you? the thing that I enjoyed about the Giovinazzi train, though, is it demonstrated that the aero changes have had a positive mm. effect because we yes. saw four cars. Four, I pronounce it properly. We saw four <laughs> cars running nose to tail for what was around three to four laps without any issue whatsoever, realistically. Um, yeah. Yes, fair enough. Giovinazzi was holding them up a little bit because he was trying to push for a long stint on, on his first set of tyres, but all four of them were running nose to tail and, and looking at that move. And it's it's the kind of racing that makes me very hopeful for tracks where overtaking is much more of a possibility because... Yeah, we've like said it Bahrain. plenty of times, and we've, we'll say it again. Australia makes for interesting races, but they're not like overtaking races. Um, and you can't just expect to yeah. walk walk into Australia and these aero changes suddenly get fifty it overtakes. No, no, no. More. Yeah, it, it's, it is a very, very, very difficult to overtake. Um, Grosjean himself, who was who spent some time following other cars, said that it was a lot easier to overtake, a lot easier to follow behind other cars. Yeah. But he thinks the tires don't allow them to overtake quite as easily now because he said that as soon as you push, the tires start to slip. But then, whatever 
tires you put on a car as soon as you push the tires will start to slip because you you're pushing yeah <laughs> so it, I, i'm not sure how sort of how much to take that comment from him but still like if he says it's easy to follow it's easy to follow that's a good thing mr grosian has been thoroughly logicked by Stu greenwood yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to school the Formula One driver here. I'm not. No, but you I'm have not, logic. To I'm him. not saying it's... what's what, but yeah, I do. I just think what I do think whatever. T- surely, whatever tires you put on, if you're both going to be pushing really, really hard, so if you're trying to push harder than the other person and they're already virtually at the limit of where the tires are, then the t- I can't believe I'm talking so much about tires. People love when we pushing, talk about tires and it's not yeah. sarcasm. They really do. <laughs> if you're push, if you're pushing really hard on your tires and the guy has to push harder on his, then his tires are going to slip more because physics. <laughs> because, <laughs> so, yeah. Because physics. Um, right. Yeah. I'm going to stick with Lando with you. I like that suggestion. It's a, it was a good move. It, it was a, it was a while coming, but yeah. um, he threw it down the inside. I think at turn three, I want to say. Yes, um, I believe it was. And yeah, he absolutely nailed it. It was yeah. good. It was turn turn three, and then they go through that big car park sort of area, don't they? It was the left hander. It is indeed. Um, it is time for an infamous return. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Nominations for this. Ooh, I've got three got? in the show notes. I'm, I can see you've got three there. I'm interested to know if you've got anything to add to that. Shall I, shall I cover my three so people know what they are? And Yeah, yeah, do your three, yeah. yeah. So the three that I'm thinking of that were a bit like WTF, what's happening, was Ricardo's bump in the gutter, throwing his mm. rear wing, uh, his front wing even, his front wing through the air. Um, that was pretty shocking. Yeah. Kvyat being Kvyat is all I've written, which... Oh, he did a torpedo move, didn't he? He did a torpedo. And uh, Grosjean's wheel and the whole wheel nut scenario, just because <sighs> not only the fact it happened, but it happened again in Australia, like the whole deja vu of that moment. Um, so they're the three I put down. Do you have any other suggestions, Stu? Maybe, yeah. The internet might hate me for this, but... <laughs> I'm hate, I've been hating on Ferrari. I'm conscious that I've been a bit harsh on Ferrari this uh, this episode, but I will continue to be harsh on Ferrari because they should be better with the budget they're on. Um, where's the pace gone? Where? Why? Mercedes genuinely thought they were four tenths slower yeah. than uh, than Ferrari, and suddenly they're seven tenths quicker in qualifying. Um, and dominating. What race are we space. doing? What What is literally WTF? Like. <laughs> Where's yeah. where's a second of pace? I was about to say it's like a whole one second swing, that isn't it? More than if yeah. you if you're looking at the actual gap to where Mercedes thought they were. Yeah. How much of that is Mercedes just sandbagging? Yeah, yeah, sandbagging with when they say no, we think we're you know four tenths down. How much they genuinely believe that is debatable. No, they did. They fully believed it. They absolutely one hundred percent thought they were. F- four tenths behind maybe because of that maybe because they were so far behind they thought they were so far behind that they've developed the crap out of the car over the last few weeks yeah and found a load of pay i don't think they would have found four tenths though or a second they definitely <laughs> a second, found a second technically yeah in four weeks <laughs> so yeah i mean it was a big old upgrade package they brought as a second test but and they ended neck and neck they did end neck and neck with ferrari mm. on paper but my goodness it's such a huge huge swing I, so, I think we definitely need to go Bahrain and a couple of other places before we yeah. make full judgment on that. But yeah, yeah, it is yeah. it is interesting that there's been such a big swing 
um, from where Mercedes thought they were to where they actually were this weekend. But um, if we're going to give, I suppose, I don't know, do, uh, we, we need we need to award this award. So I think Grosjean wheel, Grosjean's wheel nut's a good candidate because yeah. how has that happened? How has it gone 20, 20 races without happening and then it suddenly happens again? Like, that's very surprising. So I think I, I, out of your three, I'd give it to Grosjean's wheel nut. We'll do that then. Specifically, the wheel, but with an honorary mention for uh, Kvyat being Kvyat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. because Kvyat I like that phrase, Kvyat being Classic Kvyat. Kvyat. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that brings us nicely on to predictions. Um, wasn't a great mm. week for any of the three of us. In fairness, we hadn't no. seen any cars running, you know, in earnest. Uh, yeah, you when know, we made our pushing, yeah. so we were making them as blind as you can be after testing. Um, in short. Chris and I both earned a single point for the number of finishes being 17. And Stu, you got a point for the Hamilton pole. Um, and that was all we got points for between the three of us. Yeah, I'm happy with it. I'm, to be honest, I'm very happy with Hamilton pole. Um, it was a very... It's, it's very difficult to predict this race. This race is particularly difficult to, to predict, especially when you're predicting it having not seen practice <laughs> yeah. or qualifying. So... Yeah, I'm happy with a point from this one. Um, we, we were all pretty close with the number of finishes um, yeah. and George Russell's position as well. Um, Russell, of course, finished... Uh, he was 16th. 16th, wasn't it? Yeah. 16th, yeah. I was banking um, on one of those retirements being Kubica, I think. Like, I think the car mm-hmm. not making the distance more than anything. Um, someone, <laughs> when you posted our predictions from the little images that you do that go on social media, someone replied to my prediction saying, how dare you wish this upon the amazing Kubitz? And I'm like, trust me, I don't want yeah. it to be true. I just think that that car <laughs> is not up to it. Please don't hate me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, interest, I had an interesting conversation with someone today about, um, about the Williams, and it's that it's not actually going to be battling with anyone for most of the season. So it's probably going to finish every race. Yeah, as long as it's, it's got the Mercedes engine in it as well. Yeah. So it's not going to be crashing with anyone. Do you know what? That That is a really interesting insight that for prediction purposes, you should have probably kept to yourself. Yeah, probably should. And I've just broadcast it to the world. Yeah. So there you go. Literally the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, notable scorers within the league. Um and by the way, before I do, before I cover this, thank you so much to everyone that's been in here. It's our biggest yeah. season so far. Um, it's an amazing number of you getting involved now, and so many of that a high percentage scoring points as well. Even if it is just a single, yeah, point. it's great to see. So, it's lots of new entrants as well scoring yes. points. But like we've had more than ever, um, and yeah, keep them coming in. Yeah. So the top three this week went to um, Neil Hyde in first, um, Tom Monk in second, and Mark Alvarez in third. Technically, they were all tied first, I guess, because they all earned three points between them. Um, And all for the same three guesses as well. They all got Lewis Hamilton as fastest qualifier. Uh, They all got the number of finishes at 17, and they all got George Russell spot on at 16th. So... (laughs) Three identical predictions there. Um, people, nobody got the first DNF. Nobody got that one. But there were half points awarded for the closest, which was two people, Ali Walker and Charles Bridgman, who were both pessimists and said Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> um, and yeah. as he wasn't first DNF, but he was the closest that anyone guessed, they both get half a point. 
yeah. to their score. So harsh. So, so harsh. Yeah. I don't think they deserve half a point for <laughs> Danny Ricardo at his home race. Yeah. Absolutely sad. At least the DNF on the leaderboard is in a nice sort of Renault-style yeah. yellow. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just glad you name and shamed him, Tom. That's all I can say. <laughs> it was yeah, it was a nice way of saying, "What are you doing, guys?" <laughs> um, so yeah, that that is the predictions league. Um, head to backofthegrid.com to get involved with that if you want to get involved for the next race. It is never too late to do so because points come thick and fast, and there's always a prize if someone manages a full clean sweep, five out of five each week. Um, we've also got an official fantasy league. Yes, on form- at formula1.com. Um, you can click on Fantasy and Fantasy League, and if you sign in, you're given all these options and stuff. It's very complicated. <laughs> but um, there's lots and lots of people joining in on that too. Um, we've got some really, really fun uh, names for some of them, <laughs> which is which I'm going to go into in a moment. Um, we ourselves are not doing so great in the Fantasy League. Tom, me and you are both tied on 31, uh, in 31st on 108 points. Do you know why that is? Why is that? Because we have exactly the same team. <laughs> Do we? Yeah. Do we actually? I checked because I was like, how weird is it mean Stuart scored the same points? And I looked at your team and we had exactly the same team. I've actually made a change to mine since, but have you? we had the same team going into Australia, identical. As if... So, uh, first, one of the first of the interesting names um, that we've got in our group, Tripping Major Nutsack, also tied on uh, 31st, <laughs> in 31st place. And he's got, I think, the same team no way. as well. How is that team have so got, common? <laughs> have, we, have we got Magnuson? You got Magnuson? Uh, yeah, Magnuson, Ricardo, Raikkonen, Leclerc, Hamilton and Alfa Romeo. It's the same team. Yeah. It's got the same and team. Raikkonen and his turbo driver, the same choice. Yeah, it's yeah. identical. Um, yeah, and where's Chris then? Where was Chris? Chris was further down the board, not by much Bit, points not much wise. Further down, though. It just makes a big difference this early. Yeah, uh, where is he? He's like, it's, it's, oh, was he 105 points? 105 Chris? points. There which... he is. I can never see him because he's called Back of the Grid Chris. And I always think he's going to be called Chris Back of yeah. the Grid. Like you're called Tom Back of the Grid. <laughs> Chris, rename your team. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, 105 points for Chris. So literally three points in it between us three, which is really, really close. Um, the top of our uh, our 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 league, if you like, is on 196 points. That's a wow. really, really good uh, score he's got there. Um, Mercedes, obviously, is his team, which has left him very little budget to go anywhere else. But he's managed to get Hamilton in there. Um and Raikkonen as a turbo, but he's got Magnussen, Kvyat, and Hulkenberg, and obviously the budget's uh, been a bit tight for him. Towards yeah, the end. and in the points, though. <laughs> yeah, it has brought in the points, 196 points. He's in the lead. It's That's uh, Lord Bargeboard Racing. <laughs> so if you've got more than 196 points, you can join our league straight away, and you'll be obviously <laughs> ahead. Um, if you've got more than 108 points, you can join our league and be ahead of the hosts. And if you've got more than 16 points... You'll be not last, so <laughs> so join in. It's fun. <laughs> so our top guy, Lord Bargeboard Racing. Uh, number two is Hideki Noda's Japs Fly. Um, That's an interesting play on words for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what that means. Um, <laughs> and then number three is 1968 Julia 308 GTS. 
Um, Two very nice cars there. Yeah, that is, yeah. Because uh, it's not the same car. I, it's, 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 it sounds more like a eBay page than a, <laughs> than a Formula One team, Hey, If yeah. I can get a 1968 Alfa Romeo Giulia and what I'm assuming is a Ferrari 308 for 185 on eBay, I'm in. <laughs> They're probably toy cars. I see what a 308 GTS looks it's, like because I'm a car geek. It's the one with like the pointy slanting. Oh, it's the pop-up headlight. Yeah, pop-up headlights. Wedge-shaped thing. That's isn't the it? one. Yeah, the wedge. Yeah. The Ferrari yeah, wedge. I quite like it. I quite and the, like that car. The Julia is the that old one is the one that's that stereotypical sort of 60s sedan kind of shape. You'll you'll recognize yeah. it the second you see it. Any any honourable mentions for any names out there, Chris? I know this is your favourite thing Chris. about. Well, I've done what you did to me. Yeah, <laughs> payback. <laughs> any honourable yeah. mentions for any names out there, Stu? That because I know this is your uh, favourite thing to do is look at the names. There are one or two. There's one or two. Um, let's see if I can find. I mean, staple staple Italian car cigarette brand was a uh, was. One I like that one like, too. Force, Force in 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 India. That was another one that I. Another you good t- one. You, you've come Strong. up with the same ones as me. <laughs> uh, what else we got? There's uh, no point racing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have you got? Uh, they're pretty much the same ones. I haven't said yeah. all the same ones. I saw another one uh, that was straight lining the chicanes. <laughs> That's a like must that. be an Alonso reference, I assume. There was one actually that was a really good. I'm I'm hoping a. a proper back of the grid mega fan who had gone for uh, Zach Brown claims, but I don't think they're in the fantasy league. I think that's predictions league. Oh, is that in the predictions yeah, league? Yeah, I can't remember okay. which of the two that's I saw cool. it in, but I definitely saw it. So if that's you, that's, I hope that is... Like, that's a prop. We've got actual That's an fans. actual fan, I think, named after actual an episode fan. of back of the grid. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. That's such an honour. Such an honour. Nelspin Nels uh, PK Jr. That's another good one. Nice. Nice. That's a good one. Oh, that's savage, that one, actually. That's really harsh. <laughs> anyway, we better move on yeah. before we offend anyone else. Yeah, we've got some inbox, box, box to go through. Um, yeah, let's let's go yes. through these. I apologise in advance here as well because we have pulled literally as many of these as we can. We've had to condense some of them because look at the time already on your podcast, at Player of yeah, Choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we will go through literally as many of these as we can. As we can, we've. I'm hoping we've not missed anyone. But um, yeah. yeah, shall I? Shall I start with the first one? Yeah, go for it. Okay, a new listener this week. Oh yeah, um, this is Chris Evans. Oh yeah. Is it, I hope he enjoy. I hope he's enjoying the show. Um, hello, Chris. Thanks for writing in. We always love it when we get new people. <laughs> um, hi guys, long time listener, first time writer. <laughs> long time, though it sounds. <laughs> Even though don't do that. Even though it sounds like Hamilton was struggling with floor damage for most of the race, do you think being defeated by Bottas so convincingly will affect him like we've seen in the past and make him lose a bit of form for a couple of races? He's definitely got rattled by a bad defeat in the past and taken a while to come back from it. Well, thanks so much, Chris. That's very interesting feedback. Chris sounds like the kind of guy um, that watches a lot of Formula One and could form a very competent opinion that maybe others would like to listen to too. Yeah, he does, doesn't yeah. he? Maybe we'll uh, get in touch with him and uh, see if he wants to be <laughs> on the show. Um, uh, yeah, I think he probably w- will be a little bit rattled. Def- well, he's definitely a little bit rattled. You could tell he was a little bit rattled by it. Um, I think Bottas's little radio message at the end of the race, um, to whom it may concern F.U., 
I don't know if that was necessarily directed at Hamilton. He says it was directed at who at people who will know who they are. So I assume then that, that he means us for Bad Mavenin when he was doing rubbish. Yeah, I think he's just aimed at the um, doubters in general, isn't it? Yeah, it's the doubters, isn't it? Yeah, he'll, they'll know who they are. That, that does sound loaded, though. They'll know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for Hamilton to seem so dejected at the end of the race, maybe maybe there's a bit of friction forming between those two. I don't know. Maybe something was said in a meeting or something like that. I, like, I, Who knows? I don't know if Bottas is the kind of guy that... No. Bring that dirty laundry. <laughs> I'm just trying to stir up controversy. I know you I'm are stirring controversy, but I think that's um, aimed at the the press and stuff. The the guys publishing yeah, the yeah. articles saying he's done. Ocon's having his seat by midway point next season, and and those kind of comments. I think that's specifically aimed at the people yeah. publishing stuff yeah. like that. Or me. Yeah. Oh yeah. You <laughs> said that. Exactly You're the I one said. that said yeah. that. <laughs> it's me. He's he's been listening and he's aiming it at us. I very much doubt that, he's listening to this. You know what? That would be the that be the most brilliant accomplishment at back of the grid. We got Valtteri Bottas to swear yeah, at the end of the Australian yeah. Grand Prix. Imagine getting yeah getting a shout out over Team Radio <laughs> would be epic, wouldn't it? Anyway, um, what else we. Uh, Hamilton rattled. Uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I think like, it's, it's a, it, it did. It sounded like it did have some damage. Let's like say um, uh, we'll know more next race. First race is always very difficult to read. Yeah, um, just like testing is. So I think we'll know better um, next race. I feel harsh moving on from Chris, Chris's question so soon. If he'd have been here, he could have voiced his opinions. <laughs> well, I suppose yeah. If he's wasn't swanning around. <laughs> Bogota, then yeah, this is his own fault. Um, the Fernando Alonso School of Bad Decisions says, Can anyone tell me what exactly would stop the bigger teams from doing secret testing at private racetracks in the winter? Um, is there an FIA official that sits with the team, with the exception of Williams, who barely made it to the official testing? I have no doubt that every other team could do this if they wanted to, seeing as re- reliability is very important. How is it regulated? Ooh, I mean, have you heard how loud a Formula One car is? Yeah, and one? also the, the the key thing really is the things that would go involved into booking track time out to go to circuits of yeah, of you could worth, just never keep it under wraps. You'd you'd never be able to keep it quiet. <laughs> um, so I no, I don't think they go as far as to have an FIA official with them at all times. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's FIA personnel knocking in and around team factories and stuff. I guess through that period and. Even if it's just for their own clarity of look, you know, running things past them from a team point of view, I guess. I don't know if they have delegates yeah. within the teams these days. Um, I know there's a limit on how much CFD testing they can do. Ah. Um, and there's a limit on the number of hours staff can work. So, like, there's a forced shutdown over the um, over the summer break, yeah. where everyone has to essentially go on holiday. Um. Uh, do they I, I, in terms of like is there an official that sits with each team or wouldn't no they're kind of like they're really just I, I think they're just trusted to to obey the rules for the most part and it's kind of like agreed within everyone that they would and it'd be look it'd be really really easy to uh to catch them out because you all have to do is send they, what they probably do is send someone around there at random to see what's going on yeah, from time to time. So, and, and the cars are under str- such scrutiny all the time at each race as well. That, uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't imagine there's enough I going to hang out with the team. All no, not all, not all the time. I can imagine they're sort of in and out and things for certain reasons, but I can't imagine that they're there the entire time. Um, and just for those 
not aware, Stu, would you care to explain what CFD testing is? Um, yes, it is computational fluid dynamics. I'm, I'm glad you remembered the... the C because I could only remember fluid <laughs> dynamics, hence asking you and not doing it myself. <laughs> yeah, it is the digital simulation of the way the air around us moves. Yeah. Um, and air is considered to be a fluid. So for those of you wondering why they don't call it CAD, A, because that means computer aid is aided design, and B, it's not air. It, teams consider it or anyone who works in aerodynamics considers air to be a fluid um mm. substance yeah it's basically so digitalized yeah, wind tunnel testing one. effectively isn't it yeah 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 that's the easy way to explain exactly it. <laughs> i'm just i'm just getting into Sorry. his base level <laughs> it's been very very complicated um louis senna says number one oh wow two number one once again, the naive optimism that Ferrari has more pace than Mercedes is emphatically crushed by the dominance of the silver hours. Is Louis Senna a Mercedes fan by any chance? Possibly. Um, <laughs> as well as the embarrassing fact that Honda engine is faster, that a Honda engine is faster Ooh. than too. That is true. That was it, true in, today. In terms of race, the Honda was quicker. Position, yeah. In terms of race pace, yeah. Um, to Bottas is a contender for a title this year. I wonder what Ocon's fastest lap in, in the simulator was this weekend. That's good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the optimism was crushed by uh, but I still think we're in for a, a good fight for the for the championship. I don't think it's any it's anything but over. Yeah, I, I think that that Honda being where it is so early on uh, in the season is a good sign as well. Um, it shows that it's developed well while in the Toro Rosso, I guess, um, yeah. and maybe it shows that it wasn't really all Honda having issues when it was at McLaren just. Pointing that yeah. out. Well, they've made they have made big steps though. They've made massive Very steps true. over the winter. Yeah. Um, Bottas contender for the title this year, absolutely. Um, hopefully, it'll be a three, four, maybe even a five-way fight for the championship. Fingers Based crossed. on the pace Verstappen had, you know, yeah, if they can get a, bit, a little bit more pace into that car, or if Mercedes weren't just at an advantage at this track for whatever reason, you know, they could be. It's it's wide open, isn't it? At this point, anyone could Precisely. anyone could win it. Uh, the top six, even even Gasly could be in with a shout. Um, I wonder what Ocon's fastest lap simulator was this weekend. Uh, yeah, Ocon went probably the least happy person to see Bottas winning races. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, Ali <laughs> says, um, should the first race of the season be moved away from Australia? Every year it has a big build-up, but very little happens due to the type of track it is. If F1 was to move to a track that had more overtaking possibilities, would it keep more casual fans entertained and want to tune in for the following races. Um, That's an interesting question. It's an interesting point, but we've also had this happening not too long ago. It was, I'm going to say, 2010. We had Bahrain oh. as the first race of the season, if you remember. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? And yeah, but it didn't make a, I don't, well, that much of a difference, I don't think, to No, nah, but that's following. because it was Bahrain. Well, yeah, Bahrain. yeah, I guess there is that. I think if you opened with... Uh, I mean, the, the early the early part of this. If you opened with a track like Japan, for example, that'd be epic mm. because you're in a similar part of the world, so you still got to do as much flying away as what you would to Australia. Yeah. Um. So logistics aren't that much different, but you'd be at a track where everyone's su- not to take away from the passionate the passion of the Australian fans because the Australian fans are super 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 passionate oh, yeah. and they all love it and they're very knowledgeable. They're very they're very into it. Um. But just like they are, the Japanese fans are, and I'd say Suzuka's probably a much, much better track. 
than uh, than Albert Park is. So it probably would lead to better racing, I think, overall. But I guess like they keep it at Australia, just it's kind of become a tradition now, isn't it? And you wonder whether tradition's really a good enough reason to for a place to stay. Yeah, the top I, th- of the calendar. I think obviously part of the reason certain races are in certain spots in the calendar sometimes just comes down to scheduling weather yeah scheduling the seasons of that part of the world um so there's you know there's certain races that i think japan's been experimented with being moved before and it ends up obviously we get bad rain there sometimes anyway but if you plan that race at the wrong time you're in the middle of like a monsoon season and you just wouldn't be able to do it so there's there's definitely certain reasons some races are in the kind of slots that they are um whether it'd make a difference to fans hanging around, I guess so. But their interest has well, got yeah, to I be guess... sparked in the first place anyway to be watching, I think, hasn't it? Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, though, like they're right because it's not the best race. It's, it's never it's never ever the best race of the season. No, it's a very accurate so observation, for sure, the, in terms of So if you're result. a casual <laughs> fan... If you're just someone, if you're a casual person thinking, oh, Formula One season starts today, I'm not doing anything, I'll, I'll watch it, um, then, yeah, like it, it's not going to make you want to, even this, even as good as this race was for Australia, it's probably not going to be the best advert for Formula One as a racing series. And also, the location of Australia, it means that if you're in Europe, which is actually, to be fair, where most of our existing fans already are anyway, you're going to you're not going to be able to watch it live anyway because you're going to be in bed asleep. What they, if if they really really wanted more fans, for me, what they would do is they'd launch the season in in the USA somewhere, because uh, maybe at the Circuit of the Americas. If I don't mm. know what the weather's like there this time of year, March probably. Okay. I imagine it's all right. Yeah. Um. Maybe the, maybe that should be the season opening race, and that. Pulling the American fans because they're getting the first race of the season. There's been a bit a big gap. Um, it, a lot of research goes into when to put the races and where to put them. So it's not a light thing that you can just sort of pick up and and chop and change. There's a whole logistical effort around getting the entire circus around the world to to each and every race on schedule on time. So it's not a small undertaking to to change the calendar around, which is why the calendar stays largely the same every year yeah um but definitely australia in terms of like an opening race probably as races go there's better ones that that could fit that bill i think i i think i've made my point (laughs) i got i got somewhere in the end i rambled like hell there and if you're still if you're from australia and still with us we appreciate it yeah sorry I'm sorry for Stu. <laughs> Katie O'Brien says, whatever happened with Ferrari this weekend, testing is showing so much progress. Was everyone sandbagging or did Mercedes and Red Bull find something else between testing and this morning? Um, I guess I would say Mercedes and Red Bull were probably sandbagging a little bit and Ferrari were not sandbagging and testing. And yeah. They are just playing slow at this particular track but let's again let's wait and see until the next race yeah i agree with that um 
Brett Dupuis, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, what's the outlook Dupuis. for Dupuis? Maybe, yeah. Uh, what's yeah. the outlook on Ferrari after Australia and opinions on the orders being given to Leclerc to back off Vettel? Um, also, what's the deal with Gasly not being able to pass Kvyat <laughs> in what should yeah. be a faster car? Um, I, I guess we've kind of covered the Ferrari stuff already, haven't we? Yeah, the Ferrari stuff we've done. But yeah, yeah the Gasly thing, he struggled for a long time behind Kvyat and never actually got past him, did he? Did he ever get past him? No. He didn't. No. Um, well, he, he started quite far back, didn't he? Um, yeah, Gasly, he, he was so in a bad position due to qualifying in the first yeah. place. It's never going to help. So I guess the deal with Gasly is he needs to qualify better. That's what needs to happen yeah. there. Um, and Kvyat, let's face it, Kvyat is vastly more experienced than a Formula 1 car than Pierre Gasly. It's the first race of the season. Um, everyone's in new cars. I guess Kvyat's got a more of a handle on his car than Gasly has. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they probably had a better setup. And to be fair, the cars aren't going to be hugely different. It's the same powertrain. They're part of the same sort of family of team. Um, so I imagine that there's not a huge amount of difference between them in terms of development. Obviously, the Red Bull should be ahead of the Toro Rosso, but I think in the in the right hands or or maybe just Gasly not being hooked up this weekend... It happens, doesn't it? It's just one of those things. Um, I'd be concerned if it was a continuing trend and Gasly's struggles to get up to speed and and sort of pushing that top six spot where he should be. Then I'd be mm-hmm. concerned. Like, but for one race, I think he'll be okay as long as it doesn't yeah. it doesn't let it affect him too much mentally. Um, Craig Mitchell asks: Is Cub- Do you think Kubica is still up to this? Tom, do you think Kubica is still up to this? Uh... Quick answer. Um, jury's out for me. I, I I need to see if it's him or just the issues he had in the race there. I, I need to see him again <laughs> before I make a full yeah. decision on that. I'm, yeah. yeah. My answer to it is, I think, yes, he is up to it. It wouldn't be in the car if he wasn't up to it. Um, is the car up to it? Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Um, Judge Coleman asked, what, what would happen to Ocon and Bottas if Bottas keeps performing this season? Oof, good. Qu- that's a very good question, isn't it? Mm. Um, Ocon I mean if Bottas wins the Bottas for sure would get his contract renewed I'd say if he won the championship I don't know about you what do you think that? unless he decided to do a Rosberg and go right that's it I'm out of here yeah I'm done I'm done yeah. drops mic yeah. yeah mic drop weirdly um, I did that motion as I said that <laughs> yeah so you read my mind you can't not you can't see it without <laughs> doing the motion um, yeah who knows I mean that's a really really tough one you need to really be on the inside to know what's going on there the the, the curtains are up at the moment for that um Ocon was there this weekend in Bottas's garage yeah, watching was. the race. Um, so obviously he's breathing down his neck, which is maybe why why Bottas was sort of so so happy to to have won the race. He was very emotional after the race. So um, the pressure would have been on. If you've got the kid who's breathing down your neck, looking for your seat, looking over your shoulder, literally looking over your shoulder as you're getting into the car, then you know, that's going to be on your mind. And mm. I think he did a really good job to manage He's handling it well, weekend. isn't he? He's handling that Yeah, well. really, really well. Emmett Nugent says, Hi, guys. Glad to have you back. It's good to be back. Have to wonder now, would Ricardo have been better off in a Max-flavoured Red Bull Honda or a Renault team where he would be a number one? Would his chances have been better trying to pull a Rosberg as a Honda Works team? Uh, or, at the very least, their sole focus asked... <laughs> 
and look to be taking the fight to the top two. What's he asking there? It, would he rather be would, in a Honda or a... Yeah, would he have been a, better, essentially, in a Honda that a Honda-powered Red Bull that seems to be able to perform but have to play a second fiddle to Max? Okay. Or yeah. being um, an off-the-pace Renault but, in theory, be a number one or at least joint with Hulper Kulkenberg? Yeah. Um, um, go on, you go then. You go first. I, Yes, I guess in terms of points and championships and stuff right now, it's looking like it would have been better to stay. But I think that if he wasn't happy in that space and he wasn't happy in that environment, the right decision is always for him to move on because he doesn't want to jeopardise like his happiness in the sport and potentially like underperform because he's not happy. If he's happy at Renault and he can get the best out of that car, I think that that's enough for him. It'd be a shame if it doesn't go somewhere for him to end up challenging for a title. But at the end of the day, if he's happy doing what he's doing and he's getting the best out of what he's been given, then I can't see that as too much of a problem personally. Yeah. Um, my very quick answer to it is um, this season, he yes, he would be better off in the Red Bull uh, in terms of championship championship position in terms of championship position but in 2021 um he wants to be in a championship winning car he's getting yeah you know he's he's nearly 30 he might actually be 30 now um and he needs to be in a position where he can win a championship and that was never ever going to happen at Red Bull because Red Bull are behind Max Verstappen. The only way he can win a championship is if if he's in a car where he's got at least equal treatment and that gamble he had to take was that he has to go to Renault. Now Renault aren't going to be winning championships straight away. This they're certainly not going to be winning races this season unless something crazy happens. Um next season they'll probably they might they might nick a couple, maybe get a few podiums. Season after that, what we're into twenty twenty one, whole new formula. That's when you know that's when he's that's where he's looking. Yeah, the the, the hope, generally speaking, is that he's seen something in the way Lewis saw something in the move to Mercedes, like something that they've enticed that driver with. Um, so fingers crossed, it works out in a similar way, and we can see some Ricardo yeah. titles. Um, Vasco Breitenfeld I hope I'm saying that one right as well I've got all the hard ones this week <laughs> mm-hmm. do you think Leclerc should have passed first and asked questions later do you think he's afraid of any repercussions and that's why he asked for permission um, I don't know there's one way to get on the bad books in Ferrari and that's to just do what you want isn't do it what you want yeah yeah I think well be a, be a number two driver and do what you want <laughs> yeah so mm. I think if the I situation think... were different and the top three were still catchable, like I was saying earlier, then maybe he'd have gotten a little more favouritism anyway. So I don't think there's anything too bad in him doing what he did, I guess. For us as as fans, as viewers of the sport, um, I think, yes, he should have passed and asked questions later because that would have been far more entertaining for us, both on the track and off the track. Yeah. Um, <laughs> could he be afraid of some repercussions from Ferrari if he did? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. New boy um, turns that, up day one and just breaks yeah, all just the does rules. What, does what he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's not going to work. Um, Zach and... Is it my turn? Yeah, that was yours. Yeah. Um, Zach and Cheese, who do you think will do better, Verstappen or Leclerc? Oh, that's a nice simple one. One word answer, Tom. Verstappen. I'm going to say Leclerc. Ooh, I think the Ferrari will be quicker once the season gets going. I think it will be. I, I think Verstappen's existing experience will 
help him hold out on that. But then next year, Leclerc, I think. And lastly for this week, we have one from Brooke Archer saying, in history, when a team goes 1-2 at Australia, the winning driver generally goes on to win the uh, Drivers' Championship. Do you think Mercedes will give Bottas the proper chance to fight for it this year, or is it going to be the Hamilton show again? Um, I don't think it'll be the Hamilton show again. I think today was proved that um, it's not going to be the Hamilton show. I think Hamilton showed that in his uh, responses to the questions after the race. Um, it's yeah. game on. I think it's going to be a wicked season. The I'm, None of us are really a fan of team orders in any way, shape or form, but when it comes to team orders, I think Mercedes, in terms of number one driver and all that kind of stuff, I think Mercedes have always done it the most respectable way you can if you're going to do that thing. And generally speaking, we'll let somebody fight until the championship started swinging one way or the other. Like the, at the time that Bottas was unfortunately told to give a win to Lewis, it, the championship had already swung towards Lewis and, and Bottas unfortunately wasn't really a contender at that point. But this year he's come out in this win. And I think that as long as they keep that mentality that they always have, which I, I can't see why they wouldn't, you know, Rosberg won a title with them against Hamilton. So it's not like they, they constantly favour Hamilton. Um, so fingers crossed. Um, and actually, answering that question from Brooke brings me on to an interesting point just to touch on. Um, uh, she was actually at the race this weekend and has written us an awesome article on what it's like being an Aussie fan at the Aussie GP. So if you've never been, you'll get an insight into what it's like. Or if you're interested in going, you'll know what to look out for and maybe good spots to go look for your tickets. Um, so she's writing that up for us and we will be putting that on the website at some point in the next couple of days as the episode goes out. So be sure to head to backofthegrid.com and check that out. Yep. And um, yeah, I think that about covers it, doesn't it, for this week? <laughs> yeah, it's been a meaty one. <laughs> so it's a bit of a beast. It's a meat sandwich. Yeah. Full of filling. Um, you <laughs> can like, share and subscribe to us um, on everything. Uh, we're on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. We're on Facebook. Uh, you can search for Back of the Grid. We're on Instagram at Back of the Grid. And you can visit the website and check out your predictions and register sub- to submit predictions at backofthegrid.com. Um, Tom, what's your Twitter handle? Let's do Twitter handles for ourselves for a change. Okay. Uh, if you want to follow me and my babble, it's Tom King 89 And uh, mine is Stu underscore PX. And if... Chris was here, we'd give out his, but he's not, so we're not. Yes. No, no, we should. <laughs> it's TNM Chris. It is. And they're all on the um, back of the grid one anyway, so you can just click them from there if that's easy. Yeah. So, yeah, feel free to... Uh, I've actually started using Twitter. This is why, this I is why you so brought it back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going for that blue tick this year. <laughs> blue ticks all around. <laughs> blue ticks for everyone, yeah. So, yeah, please uh, do that as well. Wicked. I guess that's goodbye then, isn't it? Yeah, that is. Uh, you've got to do it because it's. I've, I've backed you into a corner. You've backed me into a corner. I will say goodbye, and um, we will see you next week for our Bahrain preview. I guess goodbye, everyone. Yeah, bye.
Chris is gonna himself when he uh, when he hears us shambolically backing out of that episode. <laughs> he lives a good exit, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. That was a that was one for the ages. That one. Emmett Nugent say. Start that again. Emmett Nugent says, "Hi guys, glad to have you back. Good to be back. Um, have you? Oh, let's start that again." Emmett Nugent says, "Hi guys. Oh God, sorry." <laughs> em- Emmett Nugent says, "Hi guys. Oh my God." <laughs> Please let me keep these outtakes. No, you have to. Do, you can put them at the end. But <laughs> keeping it in. Emmett Nugent says, "This podcast is part of Brit Pod Scene." an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or BritPodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.